1: We are three and a half weeks away from the Sugar Bowl. The 89th annual, K State's first, Alabama's 17th. From New Orleans, Louisiana. And I hope you've been planning because two friends have reached out to me today about what they should do to plan their trip. Now, if this wasn't around New Year's Eve, I would tell you fly you give yourself a couple of months advance fly down there you can get you know not the most expensive place to go fly to get you a hotel room around the french quarter or a airbnb give you a, a good 3 days to go hang out go do some fun stuff go around the garden district but because it's around new year's eve that is throwing a big wrinkle i've understood a big wrinkle in the plans of a lot of K-State fans because it is going to be expensive to fly down there. Uh, unfortunately, we had to book flights uh, that were $750 round trip per person.
0: And that's before you get to the layover in Denver.
1: Yeah, there's a three-hour layover in Denver. It's It's awkward. And uh, if you're trying to save, if you're trying to save some pennies anywhere, it's probably not going to happen. You're just gonna have to bite the bullet and, and throw out some cash. We, we needed the video, we
0: needed the video of Travion's face a moment ago because it summed up what everybody's reaction was right there, the and that was pain. Yeah, three hours. The flight. But, back- luckily, I know Denver Airport. Uh, you, you know, at least I can guide us somewhere.
1: Sounds horrible though. Well, three hours. Uh, it, yes, yeah. And an airport's kind of hard to get lost in anyway. I mean, there are signs everywhere. Valid point. We, though we could go
0: exploring the tunnels if you really want to at DIA.
1: Oh, the the, the tunnels. The tunnels. Air yeah. there. The tunnels. Yes,
0: I have been down in the so tunnels. There are tunnels. There there are tunnels. Uh, but what are they for? Well, they're primarily because you have to have the emergency ability to get people off of the trams that run between the main terminal and those concourses.
1: That is annoying when there are airports that have the trams that have to take it to completely different terminals, and it's clear across the airport, and it takes 15 minutes. Yeah,
0: you're not walking from the main terminal to Concourse C at Denver. It's mandatory that you ride the train.
1: And what's what's the story behind Denver Airport like what a new world
0: order airport yeah, as new my world, yeah, as my uh dear departed friend Scooter used to call it new world order airport um because essentially that it was the the new world order government was uh, it was able to operate from beneath in the tunnels. Yeah. They you know what I credit the airport in the middle of this construction project that they've been doing and I know we're completely off off tangent here. But they actually played up and had fun with ads that were discussing all of the conspiracies, you know ads you know varying ads at this location will soon be occupied, and then it'd have an alien right next to it
1: <laughs> okay <laughs> I've been to Denver airport once, and it's out like in the middle of nowhere, right it is yeah it's that's the biggest issue right uh, that that it is, yes, and
0: it's never been easy to get to in that aspect um. But you went from Stapleton, which was close to downtown, to that.
1: Well, we will later on in the show get to some topics about the uh, the matchup between K-State and, and Alabama. And I know it's three and a half weeks away, but there is a certain area of the game we got to look at day by day to see if anything changes. And that is, of course, about transfer portal, opt-outs. Alabama fans and media are expecting quite a few opt-outs before this game does take place. But we're taking it day by day. We're going to debut a new segment coming up at 525. We'll recap the Cats taking down Abilene Christian last night at Bramlage Coliseum. But it's been a while since we've been able to do this. It's Wednesday. You know what that means. AEW Dynamite tonight is from Cedar Park, Texas. The matchup I'm looking forward to the most. There's two title matches, but the AEW World Tag Team Championships on the line. Everybody loves the acclaimed. Max Caster and Anthony Bones will take on FTR. Dax Harwood and Cash Wheeler. If the latter wins the championships, it'll be their fourth championships they hold at the same time. Along with the IWGP, the ROH, and the AAA Tag Team Championships. But of course, that also means we are joined by Derek Young. From Sid Online, D.Y., really appreciate your time on the show. How was the dance recital last night?
2: It was very good. I enjoyed myself.
1: I uh, talked to one of your colleagues after the game because I noticed you were not at the press conference. And I'm like, where's my dog, D.Y.? And this certain individual said you're at a dance recital. And I was like, not a,
2: not a dance recital It's
1: for Christmas. Oh, Christmas. Like it's like a singing thing. Carol's. Yes. Okay. Well, nonetheless, um, I, the first thing I thought was like, my guy, that is a good boyfriend move right there. Uh, you, you did the right thing. Sounds
0: about like the text I got overnight. Good boyfriend move to make sure that I had someone's daughter on the birthday list this morning.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. That's a good point. Uh, and you pulled it off, huh? Yeah, I did. All right, I appreciate you're, you're that. You're welcome. I really appreciate that. But, uh, D.Y., let's jump back to uh, Saturday, the Big 12 championship. I, 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 I don't think I'll get tired of talking about that game. The Dramatics, it of course, winning it. What, to you, was just, you know, a simple routine play for this certain individual? Deuce Vaughn's touchdown or Ty Zittner kicking the game-winning field goal? Which one did I enjoy? Which one do you? Is just the more routine play. You know, just that's what you expect out of the guy.
2: You know, at this one, the the most routine was probably Ty Zentner. At this point, he didn't. I mean, he wasn't always the field goal kicker this year, but once that he took over and those were his duties, uh, he didn't miss one. Didn't miss an extra point. Didn't miss a field goal. He was perfect on the year as the place kicker um outstanding punter and really good at kickoffs as well but if you're we're just talking routine automatic uh doesn't get more routine and automatic than ty zettner
1: at the game did you have any of the media like tc media around you like cheering
2: no none that i can recall i don't i don't really remember being around tc media in general i didn't see many
1: because you were like kind of like in the middle of everybody? And, yeah. uh, but by me to my left, there were a couple of TCU guys that, uh, did a lot of reacting. Let's just put it that way, reacting to, uh, what took place. So I want to get to a topic actually, cause of course all week we've been talking about it so far, the win in, in Arlington over TCU, 31, 28 and overtime, but one we haven't really dove into too much. And I think you'd be a good guest to, to talk about this is that I feel like it's an underrated storyline of just about how much backups had to come into this game and play some vital roles, play some big time football, and do a good job. But of course, you know, we got to start with that secondary and VJ Payne, uh, along with Jacob Parrish and Keenan Garber. I mean, Keenan Garber wasn't playing any defensive back. He was a wide receiver, and then he steps up about a month ago and says he wants to help out. I, I, to you, how underrated is that storyline when it comes to how big it was in that game for K State?
2: I mean, it was pretty big, right? Uh, th- that was not just you know a portion of a game or a drive of a game. That was a considerable part of the game, right? You had Keenan Garber playing corner after you know he he, w- he was an offensive player until about a month ago. So that's a, a pretty strong endorsement of, w- of what he has been able to do since he did flip uh, those sides of the ball. And and really, TCU wasn't able to expose them. So he, not only did he do that, he did it well. And, um, I mean, he was on the field for, you know, a pretty good chunk of snaps. I think he was 21 snaps. Echo Bordeaux got hurt, of course. So. He probably saw the field a lot more than he was anticipating. Jacob Parrish, I think they knew they were going to play him a lot, and I think he even saw a little bit of time at safety. They're pretty thin there, obviously, because they know that they do not have Kobe Savage. They do not have Sincere Mason. So a lot of time from him. Um, He had some really meaningful plays as well. And then at safety, VJ Payne, true freshman. He started the first game of the year, if folks don't remember, um, because Josh Hazel was out that particular game against South Dakota. And by the end of the season, he's a starter as well because of more safety injuries, and he leads the team in defensive snaps. So VJ Payne, a really meaningful first season in Manhattan, and hats off to him because he just continues to get better and better as well. And, and I know you said in general the kind of a backup game. I mean, R.J. Garcia uh, at receiver catches his first career touchdown because Malik Knowles gets hurt, and he's pressed into to a considerable amount of, of playing time. Dawson Del Forge had a drive where he played at left guard because Cooper Beebe slid out the left tackle. Um, after an injury to KT Leviston, he did return. So Del Forge didn't see a ton of snaps, but those were some some big ones for him as well. Um, try to think about Damian Ela Leo, Manhattan High product. I think I said his name right. Um you know, did. on the heels uh, on the heels of Manhattan winning a state championship, he comes in for one play. It happens to be the fourth down stop at the end of the game, and he pushes the center back and, and makes a huge mark on that particular play to get the stop that helps Kansas State win a Big 12 championship. Uso Samalo got hurt. He had a pretty um, significant snap as well, where he pushed the offensive lineman back and caused disruption in the backfield. But when he gets hurt, he goes down and, and Damien Ilalio is right there. Ilalio is right there as well.
1: Now I know we, we briefly, you know, went over the story about Keenan Garber. I you know, just my busy schedule. I have not had a chance to re-watch the game quite yet, other than just watching highlights. But I I I was I'm hoping you've had a you had a closer eye on Keenan Garber than I did. I did you just feel like in general he was able to hold his own for pretty much the whole time he played?
2: Yeah, I, I believe so. I mean now I think if TCU redid it, maybe they would challenge him a little bit more because I don't know that they really necessarily recognized what was taking place with Keating Garber out there on an island, a cornerback and really not having played the game, played cornerback ever in a real game and like significantly, right? So, you know, I bet they would want to challenge him a little bit more if they could redo it because they definitely seem just content peppering Julius Brent since he was uh, took the you know the uh, the 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 stark the tall task and and complicated responsibility of manning up Quentin Johnston one on one an entire game. Now he had his he had his moments where it did not go as well as he would have liked, but at the end of the day, um, because he was able to hold up as much as he did, as YK State was able to play the kind of defense that they wanted and were able to stick to the game plan that they had assembled for the Horn Frogs
1: why you've been covering this team for a number of years now. What? What? When was your first year?
2: Uh, covering the team. I. Yeah. I mean, I think believe that was September of 2017.
1: Okay. Yeah. Five seasons now. Uh. Oh well, no, six. six. Six seasons now, including 2022. Um But I. I mean, I grew up a K State fan. I didn't go to K State, but I've always rooted for K State. Diehard fan. Um. Did you get nervous at all?
2: Oh yeah. Uh, how could you not? I mean, I imagine a lot of people, not nearly as invested, or maybe not invested at all, were probably on the the edge of their seats for that game and what was to come and and how it was unfolding and how it would unwind. I mean, yeah, it, it yeah, I was nervous, no doubt about it. it. It was as nervous as I've been. I think um, for a Kansas State game up until this point. I mean, all of us were. I mean, that press box was on pins and needles because you know we all stay as unbiased as possible and and keep a professional in nature as much as possible and i think we do a heck of a job of doing that but i think whether it be just because success is good for business or you know genuinely want good things for the good people in that locker room that can't stay locker room and that can't stay coaching staff and so i think we were all you know really hoping that that would work out in their favor and, and i'm glad it did
1: well the cats will play alabama Three and a half weeks from now in uh, New Orleans, Louisiana, for the Sugar Bowl. Have you ever covered a you know, Sugar Bowl, Fiesta Bowl, Rose Bowl, anything like that?
2: I've covered a Rose Bowl and a Fiesta Bowl.
1: Now, how did those two bowl games treat the media? Would you say it was like Kings or most of the time you're just kind of on your own and you had to go here and there for whatever the media had to do?
2: When it comes to those New Year's Six Bowl, it was pretty much like Kings, especially especially the Rose Bowl. The Rose Bowl was pretty – it was it was another level. That's for sure.
1: Okay. Well, Troy was telling me before he hit the air, he went over uh, – he was looking through all the media information for the Sugar Bowl and, and said, you know, everything is in the media hotel. They're going to feed us three meals a day while we're there. I, I, he was going through the list, and he sounded like we're going to be treated like Kings. I, I don't know. And I, I love that it's in New Orleans, but I hope it's a lot of Cajun food. Yeah, me too.
2: That's one of my favorite <laughs> favorite kinds of food. I'm looking forward to the Cajun. I'm hoping to, you know, get some kind of gumbo or jambalaya while we're down there.
0: We're not that far from the French quarter, so that's going oh, yeah. to be helpful. Two blocks. Yeah. So there you go. Even if you have to leave the hotel, you you will find your Cajun food. That's not a problem.
2: Will you be there are you guys gonna be there for the full six days?
1: No. We'll we'll be the, well we'll we'll be there. We'll get there Wednesday the Wednesday prior, and then we'll leave on the second. But, we, no, we won't be there six days prior to the game.
0: See, we get to recover New Year's Day in town.
2: Yeah, I, leave out, I, I, take, it, I take off on New Year's Day, so that'll be an interesting d- dynamic.
1: I just told the boss how much I love New Orleans. He's like, take an extra day, go have a good time. Who see, wants to fly back hungover?
0: See, I'm just the beneficiary of being drugged down there with this guy.
2: <laughs> you know, from the sound of it, with this admiration for for that particular city, Mitch is going to be a pretty good tour guide. Yeah,
0: I, I'm I'm assuming so, and I'm looking forward to it because about all I've seen has been the airport and a hotel across the
1: street. It's been my it'll be my second time there in a calendar year in eight months in uh, New Orleans. It'll be my fourth time. I love the place. I I would move down there for the right uh, opportunity. Well, you know what? I just had a a question pop in my mind about the game. Uh, you know what, we'll go, uh, we'll, we'll ask D.Y. about that question when we come back here on The Game. Tonight we have coverage of K-State women's basketball. They're off to an amazing start tonight. They will host Kansas City of Bramlage for a six thirty tip off. Pre game is at six. Sugar Bowl is three and a half weeks away. As a matter of fact, I've been looking around. Uh, I can't decide which Sugar Bowl merch I want to buy because I was looking <laughs> at the official website and what they have, and they're like. I also know like the K State like uh, like the like Rally House and also the Super Superstore store. like they have. Certain merch as well.
0: I had a good chuckle actually Sunday night at the Manhattan High football banquet. Walking out of the Union, and already the store at the Union had the Big Twelve champions stuff literally right up front. Mm. You couldn't miss it.
1: Well, the Cotton or no, Cotton Bowl, the Sugar Bowl has a hoodie. It's like a cream colored hoodie that has like Case Day as New Orleans Sugar Bowl and all that. I was like that's a sharp looking hoodie. Seventy bucks. I think it's worth it though. But it's on the official like sugar bowl store and so uh i'm I'm thinking about pulling the trigger i did buy um the champs the rally house champs Mm -hmm. uh, big 12 championship sweater very jacked about that i thought that was a clean look i love the scripts champs
0: i need more of the script gear
1: i only have a a polo that says cats in script that's it Mm -hmm. the the uh the sweater will be my second edition all right, we're back with Derek Young from Santa Alliance. So the question that popped in my head, D.Y., was and I'm going to debut a segment in the second hour about the potential opt-outs uh, for both teams and how we're just kind of watching it daily and also transfer portal as well for both teams. That's just the, the culture of college football these days heading into a bowl game now that also the transfer portal is open. I'm sure the roster is going to look a little different than they are now, than what they will be on December 31st. But, you know, let's take what these two teams have right now. Do you think K-State could beat Alabama right now? I mean,
2: potentially, because Alabama's already lost some offensive linemen and wide receivers for the game. I believe they're down already, even at this early juncture, three wide receivers and four offensive tackles.
1: Well, only one lineman actually really played. Uh, he was a starter. He was a starter, and I think two of the two of the wide receivers, one definitely played. The other one was more of a returner.
2: Yeah, I mean, probably not, because I would still roll with Bryce Young. But at the end of the day, I I think there's probably some serious doubt as if, as if as if he'll play or if Willie Anderson will play.
1: Yeah, it's tough. It, it, it's a tough argument. I, I mean, I wouldn't count K State out by any means, but what did Vegas open this thing up as a four and a half, five and a half point favorite for Alabama? Like, I could yeah. definitely see it a one score game.
2: I, I, I could see it. I mean, Alabama, I mean, they didn't really put away any good teams this year. Um, lost to a lot of, lost to the good, really good ones. Didn't really put away any solid ones in decisive fashion. Like we would typically see, I mean, LSU was probably a solid team. They lost to them. Tennessee was really good when they had Hendon Hooker, Alabama Mm -hmm. lost to them. Close. But, man, I mean, Texas A&M had very little fight this year, despite finding a way to beat, um, was it LSU at the end of the year? But if you take that game away, I mean, they struggled with UMass a and probably should have beat Alabama. So, I mean, Alabama was not typical Alabama this year. With that being said, um, that's a sensationally talented roster and it would probably still rock with them, all things being equal.
1: Was it more of a bad look for Alabama or for ESPN slash Fox for having the Nick Saban <laughs> on during the Big Ten Championship or on Center? basically begging the committee to, to have Alabama in the Final Four?
2: It was probably, I mean, wh- while it's a little unbecoming of Alabama, you cannot fault a head coach for trying to get his team into the ultimate destination. So I think it certainly was Fox, especially when you account for two of their teams kind of being on the bubble there that they have partnerships with those particular conferences right with the big 12 when you when you're considering tcu um ohio state i mean you have a pac-12 agreement too so usc so it's Ohio state usc it's tcu that maybe alabama's trying to leapfrog there so i think by far the most uncomfortable look there is probably from fox
1: okay all right, let's. Uh, I want to catch up on some recruiting here with you, Dy. It's been a while since we've really talked about uh, recruiting, but you know, of course, early signing period is two weeks from today. Um, so another player has been added to the class of 2023. Rex Van, how do you say his last name? The the W.
2: I'm going to guess it's Rex Van Wyhe, but Yeah. Uh, i can't be certain i mean you'll you'll have it down in a couple months right when you get that roster and you start practicing your phonetics right in front of the the bathroom mirror right
1: in front of the bathroom mirror uh in front of the rear view mirror uh even when i get out of the car i look at the side mirrors and
0: it's as he's uh, it's as he's in the shower it replaces singing
2: yeah, yeah. Was phonetic just <laughs> the right term there? Probably wasn't.
1: Well, the shower does have great acoustics. Don't yeah, get me right. Wrong. Mm-hmm. Makes me sound like a million bucks. Well, there you go. <laughs> uh, so, I, I guess, so give you some details about him. Juco transfer. He's got three years of eligibility remaining. He also has a red shirt available from Iowa Central Community College. Rex fan, YHE. When I looked up the name, it did give me the pronunciation YHE, but I was like, it's oh, a little shady. Uh, but it could be, but big kid, right? He's six five, six four, six five. He's about two fifty. But you know, of course, it's is, is he right away playing? Are we thinking like he is maybe the replacement for Daniel Green to play that Mike linebacker position?
2: I think that's certainly a possibility, but not a foregone conclusion. From what we have been able to uncover, and in, in speaking to Van Wyhe himself. I don't think his ultimate linebacker position, obviously Kansas State has three different ones with, you know, the Mike and the Will are similar, but still different. And obviously the Sam is very different. So um, I think that's still to be determined. I I think we'd probably be jumping the gun if we were to, you know, unequivocally give him a tag at any of those spots at the moment.
1: And he was their leading tackler, right? By a good margin.
2: At Iowa Central, yeah. um, I, I believe so. I don't really have that in front of me, but he, but he had some astonishing numbers this year.
1: Yeah, I, I looked him up early. I don't remember off the top of my head, but they were, you know, by far the best on that defense for uh, for Iowa Central. But I, well, I mean, you know, Austin Moore comes back, Khalid Duke. You would think he does come back, so that you know that Mike linebacker position is the one that's feels like it's yeah. wide open.
2: Yeah, and Jake Clifton will be back, yeah. and he he started and he didn't start, but he began to play a a more considerable role as the year matured and is somebody that they're certainly going to be able to count on moving forward. Now he played the Mike and the will this year. So Mm -hmm. another player where they probably in the next month or two, maybe longer are still trying to find his ultimate destination in which linebacker spot that it is. And then, uh, and don't rule out the possibility, and I know we've touched on this at KSO a little bit, and um, as of now, I don't think there's going to be a change, but don't rule out a potential change in the future if it comes to it that, that Khalid Duke, might, Khalid Duke <laughs> might be back at defensive end. I don't think that's out of the cards and probably depends on how things shake out with the rest of the roster.
1: You know that that actually you know, gives me a thought. Of course, depending on if you know, like Felix, Deuce, Cooper, Beebe, if they decide to leave early for the draft, or Malik Knowles, Phillip Brooks, Ekaboydo, like those kind of guys decide to use extra year of eligibility, I mean, those decisions could definitely, you know, preseason next year. You're either thinking, dang, this team could definitely repeat, or you know, this you know could definitely be at the upper half of the Big Twelve, but there's some work to do there was a Cincinnati Bengals uh, scout. We ran into him going upstairs from the field to the press box. And uh, somebody from K state I don't want to mention names or anything, but uh, was asking about, hey, who are you looking at? Didn't mention Felix. And what he said about Felix was he needs to go back to school. Now, I don't know if you've been talking to any scouts or anything in the press box, but does that surprise you to hear that a scout thinks he should be going back for another year?
2: It doesn't. Well, it it does a little bit because I've heard the same from a number of scouts as well. I think, uh, but from what I've been able to muster, I think they say that about a lot of guys, even the ones that are maybe day two guys. The thing is, if you're a day two guy in the second or third round, maybe an NFL scout says that about you because they say, well, man, with another year, Maybe he's a first rounder, right? I think it's one of those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's like he needs to go back to school because he he's barely barely going to get drafted. I don't think it's along those lines. I think they still see uh potential growth up the board if he were to come back. And that's probably where how they are framing that. That's at least how I take it, because I have heard similar, and it does surprise me that it seems to be consensus. But in talking to someone that speaks to NFL scouts on a pretty regular basis, um, they say that a lot more than you'd expect.
1: You're expecting anybody to opt out for the Upt bowl out? game?
2: No. I. You know what? Never say never because I think those things can kind of be spurred the moment. And we probably haven't seen some of these guys have their juicier conversations with their prospective agents, right? Because that's the advice – where that advice would probably come from. But, I mean, Deuce Vaughn kind of unequivocally came out and said that he'll be playing. And um, quite frankly, Cooper Beebe's going to play. I know that for a fact, too. Um, There's not anything along those lines. So if it were, it would be Felix, but I'm receiving no indications that that's the case either. Um, So there would be an element of me being surprised if anyone opts out.
1: I heard the whispers about Cooper BB but I didn't want to throw it out there as on the record so I'm glad you did. Um Yeah,
2: yeah. I, I he'll certainly I mean, we've put it out there. I mean, Okay. There, yeah, Cooper BB um I don't think it's a decision that's made or anything, but I, I think that one is trending towards him returning to Kansas State.
1: I don't want to see a K-State offensive line try to take on Will Anderson without a Cooper Beebe at least uh, out there. That's for uh, for sure. But it's not like I'm expecting those uh, Alabama guys to play really anyway. I'd be surprised if they don't opt out. But uh, well, D.Y., That's about uh, all I have for you. Go ahead and and uh, let us know about you know the latest with, of course, K-State online and how we get signed up
2: uh yeah i mean go to, you can go to kstateonline.com k- and you'll be able to find where to locate the, the sign up there if you haven't already i know a lot of people have and we appreciate everyone that it is already signed up and subscribed to the site but you know a ton of stuff's coming i mean oh, yeah. the transfer portals uh, going as fast as anybody could foresee it happening just because we do have the windows now so a lot of transfer portal recruiting not just guys exiting and and as you guys know, Kansas State hasn't lost a lot, and there's not really a lot of rumors around that suggest that they're going to lose many more, at least not right now, and the Sugar Bowls are a pretty good motivating factor to stay in tow, at least for the foreseeable future. Um, but they will be chugging along in, in recruiting transfers, and, and they've got a few in their crosshairs already, and you know i got a few things I'm about to write about a few of the targets, so uh, good time to sign up and, and be abreast of all that knowledge, which You know, potential seniors could come back for an extra season. You know, which guys of those underclassmen could be coming back, could be leaving. We got that kind of information. So it's a good time to be a subscriber at KSO.
1: You know, real quick, D.Y., one more thing. Oklahoma State, uh, that portal opened and a lot of guys just jumped in. Spencer Sanders, for instance, is in the portal. Dominic Richardson is in the portal Mason Codd has jumped uh, in the portal. Is it is it spiraling there in Stillwater? Are your eyebrows at least raised at the situation?
2: My eyebrows are raised. They've lost a few defensive backs, too, that play a, a pretty yeah. good chunk of playing time. They The roster is still in good enough shape to have a solid team next year, but they can't afford to have much more portal exits, and they're going to have to do some damage in the portal, too. Um, however, they I think they did land a linebacker today that at a lower level had over 100 tackles this past year so maybe that is a sign that Mike Gundy is going to embrace the new world and be a little bit more effective in the transfer portal than they have shown to date because without that uh without doing that they would be in trouble because I don't know if we've seen the last of their losses and quite frankly they're going to need a transfer portal quarterback to be competitive next year too. So a lot of it will be dictated by who they can land. If anyone in the transfer portal, I mean, like let's say hypothetically they get Devin Leary, who's one of the top transfer portal quarterbacks. He's out of NC state. Um, that's kind of a big name He's a really good player. I'm not saying that they are going to land them or that they're even in discussion, but let's say hypothetically they land someone like that, man, just in uh, you know, a snap of a finger, they become a little bit of a Big 12 threat at that point. So a lot will also be dependent upon what they can do at quarterback. You
1: know, without that transfer quarterback, that whole that Rangal Gundy quarterback battle will be a real nail biter. Uh joking. Uh DY, really appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on. We'll talk to you soon. And he just decided to bounce. He leaves on his own terms. Bye! <laughs> That's Derek Young from K-State Online at D-Young k s excuse me, at Derek Young K-S-O on Twitter. Uh, K-State Online, of course, now with on three. I think the Zoom actually timed out just at the last minute. Oh, Derek. did it? Really? Beautiful. Right. How about that time? Beautiful. Uh, all right. I, you know what? I want to jump back to – I just think it's an interesting – because it feels like right now a hypothetical, but it's like, you know, what if guys aren't opting out and we do have uh, heavy-hitting – star-studded Sugar Bowl between this K-State and and Alabama team. We'll talk more about that when we come back on the game. Yeah, 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 yeah. The game continues. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, and Travion Berklin with us wearing his Mike Jack hoodie. No David G. today. Hopefully he'll be back with us tomorrow. Our number is 537-1350. I think my prep so far into this Alabama K State Sugar Bowl. I mean, I got a new segment coming up at 525, and I think that will kind of paint that picture of <laughs> who I'm not expecting to play and who I do expect. Well, it's, just, it's not really about who I expect to play, it's who I don't expect to play. I mean, and th- that storyline is going to last for three weeks the potential opt outs, the potential guys jumping into the transfer portal. And that, I mean, that, that's college football for you these days if you're projected to be a draft pick. And guys that are you know opting out of uh, out of bowl games like not even all of them get drafted. It's just if you think you have that potential and you don't want to get hurt and you're playing in a bowl game that you see that is meaningless and you all you're playing for is that trophy and some bowl gifts. If you see it that way, you're opting out. That's just what we do these days, I guess. Um, so we adjust to that now, If we just take the rosters, but what we know about them right now and who they do have and who have not opted out quite yet, uh, it it gets very interesting. Vegas opened this up as a five and a half point favorite for the Crimson Tide. And I think some have even dropped it to four and a half at this point. Now, is that projecting that some guys are going to opt out? Maybe. I don't know how that all works. But Alabama's 10 and two. And will this be the toughest opponent K-State has seen yet? I, honestly, I do think so. And it, I know Bryce Young isn't a Heisman finalist this year, but did win the Heisman last year. Will Anderson, linebacker, is the guy I voted for last year to win the Heisman trophy. And he's one of the best defensive players in the country who's going to go in the first round of the NFL draft. Uh, so there's a, you know another good reason why you're going to have a, potentially another opt-out for Alabama. But the way things currently stand right now, would the cats pull off the upset? I, I think the answer, to be fair, is you know maybe. But quite honestly, I mean, to give you my honest opinion, I would lean towards maybe a, a one-score win for Alabama at this point. Now, is K-State the toughest opponent Al- uh, that Alabama's going to face this year? I would say Tennessee with Hinden Hooker probably the best team that Alabama has seen this year. And, you know, Nick Saban was right. They've lost two games, both on the last play of the game, both on the road in SEC play. And D.Y. was right. There's a couple of teams that they should have put away much quicker than they did on the last possession of the game. Texas A&M and Ole Miss are great examples of that. Ole Miss was a win on the road by six points, and K-State's better than Ole Miss, in my opinion. It's the defense of Alabama that does concern me more than the offense. I mean, that pass defense for Alabama is really good. The rush defense allows 3.5 yards a carry. The, the, the interesting thing about the Alabama defense is, I mean, they are star-studded with NFL talent. They don't really turn teams over, though, very much, which is interesting. And with Will Howard at quarterback, K-State's been much better on third-down conversions. You know, it doesn't have to be third and three. It could be third and eight, third and 10. Fourth down conversions are better as well. Been a pretty good percentage there. Um, you know, as long as you take care of the football, hopefully you can keep yourselves on the field by converting third downs. But Will Anderson rushing against that K State offensive line would be pretty scary. It would be pretty scary. Believe it or not, actually, Alabama is minus two in turnover margin this year. That is, that's pretty surprising to me.
0: That is a tremendous number, given it's Alabama.
1: But D.Y. was right uh, about Alabama already has a couple of wide receivers that have jumped into the transfer portal. One of them happens to be the freshman all-SEC team member for return specialist. And that was voted on by the league's coaches. That's JoJo Earl, who's been really good, and one of their best receivers – uh, is Treshawn Holden, who has 25 catches for 331 and six touchdowns. And he's already opted out. Or, not opted out, but he's in the transfer portal. But meanwhile, for K-State, nobody has opted out. And you have four in the transfer portal, quarterback Jaron Lewis, tight end Connor Fox, defensive back TJ Smith, and linebacker Crew Jackson. I, if K-State was in desperate need of those players, I would say, okay, well, yeah, I mean, it's kind of an issue. But it's not an issue right now. It's not an issue. Those guys. And no offense to them, but not really going to be missed. DJ Smith has struggled since he was injured in 2020. Uh, you know, Crew Jackson just really hasn't played. Connor Fox has played, but has, I wouldn't say really delivered. And he hasn't been playable in the last five six weeks anyway. Um, you know, and Jaron Lewis is way deep on the depth chart. Alabama already has 11 players in the transfer portal. One of them is a starting offensive lineman. Like I mentioned, a starting wide receiver is already out. Backup wide receiver who's a, you know, a return specialist, he is already out. He also has two touchdowns receiving that JoJo Earl guy, and he's going to go make a team much better. The offense of Alabama... Honestly, isn't the scariest thing in the world. No, Not the scariest thing in the world. They got themselves kind of like a Deuce Vaughn type of player where running back is pretty good at running the football but is also pretty big in the passing game, and that's Amir Gibbs, but doesn't have Deuce Vaughn numbers. However, they do have a tandem of running backs that have numbers that add up to Deuce Vaughn numbers when it comes to yards on the ground. But you know, this is a team that averages 5.6 yards per carry, I mean, their best receiver is Brooks, who has 6'23 on the season. They're, they're talented, but it's not like through-the-roof talented with the numbers uh, that Alabama's offense has been in the last, gosh, 12 years. Heck, last time Alabama has lost three games in a season was 2010. And that was a three-loss team. <laughs> they, they don't lose three games ever, twice in Nick Saban's time, as Alabama lost three games in a season, that first year was the other year when a team that went seven and six and won the Independence Bowl. So if I think, and I'm not the you know the biggest expert in the world, but I'm, if I'm feeling you know K State might be losing a a, a one score game to Alabama with all these players, and I wish you know I think Alabama's fans would care a lot more. I think this team would care a lot more if they do have all their heavy hitters and all their star players, but. It's just the way it is. Not expecting that to be the case when December 31st rolls around. Hour to the game. Going to debut a new segment, plus K-State basketball, a winner last night. Your local news around the corner.